The Truth News Network. In a world where up is down and sideways is a way of life, when the truth one moment is a lie the next, and everything is your fault, you need hope. You need clarity. You need TNN. The Truth News Network. And Dan Newman. Hi there, everybody, and welcome to a brand new week. Welcome to TNN Live, a production of Truth News Network. Got a big week this week. Taxman cometh. The tax man cometh. I was I was just wondering about it. April 15th is always the deadline for filing. Um, what about the weekend? Let's try this one. I, folks, I, I'm not sure what's going on. We got microphone problems. Um, oh my gosh. It's not the microphone in the studio. I'm talking on it now. It's something between, uh, it's electronic stuff. You know how that works. So um, I got to get this, I got to get this parsed. Here's a novel idea. Um, no, let's don't do that. Let me keep trying here. Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Hold on just a second. I'm going to switch and try something. Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Let me try this. Testing one, two, three. Te- that's, that's more like normal, isn't it? <clears throat> I hate it when stuff like this happens. You know, you do a a check before you go live on the air, and everything sounds good. Um, So anyway, we'll just try it from here. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for being here. My goodness, it's a brand new week. This stuff is not supposed to happen in a brand new week, but it always does, and we'll get through it together. Um, Sometimes, just so you know this, sometimes when you plan, you plan, you plan, you put things together, I spent probably 10 hours, seriously, 10 hours over the weekend just making sure we weren't missing anything. And to be honest with you, we've missed some stuff. We've got some important things, new news about what's going on over there in Northern Europe. Oh, yeah, we know about that Ukraine invasion by the Russians. We know about that, Dan. I'm not talking about that. The Chinese made a huge impact over the weekend, very quietly. You have not heard what they did but it's a big deal in northern Europe too that and what is going on down at our southern border man it's dominated the news cycle the last I guess week or so we're finding out every day it's worse than we even thought it could be more and more illegals are storming our southern border we're being kept away from the truth over and over and again 
Joe Biden, his entire administration led by Alejandro Mayorkas, is just opening up the southern border saying, y'all, come on in. No idea who's coming in. No idea what they're bringing in. Think about this. Disease. You know, we know about that COVID-19 thing. But do you know that it's way worse, way worse than just that? You got to remember this. We're talking about people. They're mostly good people. But a lot of them are good people that just haven't had access to a good medical system in those countries they're coming from, including Mexico. But Mexico is probably one of the best. So their vaccinations and stuff that we take for granted, our kids get, a lot of those vaccinations that we get here aren't being given, and a lot of these people have disease. And they're bringing it with them, obviously. We don't know about that. But there are so many other reasons, and it's getting really, really loud. In just a moment, you're going to hear from Lieutenant General Uh, Lieutenant Governor, not Lieutenant General, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick of Texas, as he weighed in over the weekend with a just a striking, scary statistic, not about something coming down the pike, but something that is here at our southern border. I don't know if you realize this or not, but what has been happening under this president's watch in just one year? And previously, before Donald Trump stepped in and said, look, we're going to enforce our border laws. If Congress wants them changed, they need to change them. Constitutionally, that's the only way this can be handled. We, the federal government, have the responsibility of enforcing laws, and that includes at our southern border. He did a great job of stopping in large part the illegal immigration. Joe Biden, he opened the door. I mean, literally open the door. I don't get it. If, you, if you're if you a regular here at TNN Live, first of all, thank you. But secondly, you know that we keep up with facts about immigration. And we have to get those facts from somewhere. Where do we get them? You're certainly not going to get good information about illegal immigrants in California. Um, Arizona may be a little better chance. New Mexico, eh, I don't know. Texas, that's the only place you can rely on for getting good numbers. Dan Patrick will tell you in a moment exactly how bad it is now, but he's going to go one step further and tell us what's coming down the road for us, like um, right now. And what is Texas going to do about it? And what are we going to do about it? Here's Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. I hope that here's a number I can give all of you that will be repeated over and over and over again as a headline. And that is, we are facing a situation on the border. By the end of the first term of Joe Biden, nearly 20% of all Americans will be here illegally. Wow. Now, where do I get that number? First of all, these are numbers we've created here in Texas, but MIT did a study before Biden became president that we had about 30 million people here illegally in Texas because we've been apprehending about 400,000 a year for the last 20 years. We get one out of three. That means over 20 years, that's 24 million people in a minimum. In this first term of Biden, Last year, we apprehended over two million. If we get one out of three, that's six that came in. We're projecting two and a half million this year. That means seven and a half million will come in if we apprehend one out of three. That means in Joe Biden's first term, in his first term, 
we will have more people come into, into America illegally than we have in the entire state of Texas. There are 29 million people in Texas. Joe Biden is going to let in about 30 million people in his first term, based on who we apprehend, one out of three. You add the 30 million in four years to the other 30 million, that's 60 million people here illegally in the United States. That's 20% of the population. The Democrats on the left want to take over the country, and you can take over the country when you allow, in a four-year period under Joe Biden, 30 million people in here, more people than live in Texas, in four years, because the next thing, they'll want to give them a green card because they can't work without a social security number. The next thing, they'll want to give them citizenship and, of course, the right to vote. And then you've lost your country. Wake up, America. Well, wow, because we just had Mark Levin and going over the why he said something similar um, to what you're saying. Yes. You're talking about political ramifications. He was, too. He also talked about the cultural ramifications. Absolutely. I want to I talk to you about this decision by the governor of Texas to have buses and say, look, we're going to we're if the federal government won't do this, we're going to put people on buses here in Texas and we're going to put take the border issues Back to D.C., we're going to drop them off on the steps of the Capitol. I'll be honest with you, Lieutenant Governor, when I first heard that, I said, this is a gimmick. And then Will said, yeah, well, sometimes gimmicks bring attention to problems. Um, so what say you? Well, I don't think it's a gimmick. I think this is you're seeing the first step of a constitutional showdown between the governor and the legislature and the state of Texas and the federal government. Because Jen Pensaki, how dare her say in her press conference the other day, well, this is a publicity stunt. We're the ones in charge of enforcement. You have no power. Let me tell you what our authority and power is. We have an oath to defend the Constitution of Texas and the United States of America and to protect the lives and welfare of our citizens. And when the federal government comes in and it interferes with our ability to keep our oath, then it's time that we have a showdown. I also agree with Ken Paxson's comments that with a new Supreme Court, maybe they'll revisit the Supreme Court decision on the Arizona law where there was a 5-3 vote that states can't uh, set their own policy for immigration. What happens when you have a federal government that does not enforce the law? Our founders never envisioned when they said the federal government protected our borders. They never envisioned a president who would allow our country to be invaded. So Texas has to stand up, as does Arizona, as does New Mexico, as does California, as does every state in this country. Because again, otherwise, you lose your country to the left. 20% of America, by the end of the Biden term, will be here illegally with the past and the present. We cannot allow our country to be taken over by people who don't share our values, don't share our principles, don't know our history, and, and really aren't loyal to our flag. They're just coming here for the goodies that Biden is giving out. I understand people wanting to make their lives better. We cannot take in the whole world here. And if the government, the federal government won't enforce the law, then we need to enforce the law. And let's have a constitutional showdown. Let's go back to the Supreme Court and see what the decision is this time, because the federal government is violating their constitutional oath. testing there it is again folks i am so sorry we just have studio problems today wow i like what dan patrick had to say we've been saying similar things here for a long time at tnn live and truth news network 
Without laws and without law enforcement, folks, you don't have a country. You can't function as a nation if you don't have that structure in place. What's most amazing to me, I guess, is at the top of this, not in the middle of it, not in the horror, not in the uncertainty, not in the chaos, but up at the top of this, decisions are being made by a small group of people who they are, we're not sure of, but I think it has to do with Obama and his team that are working directly hand-in-hand with the Joe Biden administration, Ron Klain, uh, his, his chief of staff. And uh, he has great long roots that go all the way back into and deep into the Obama administration. This, what we're seeing play out here, we know this was a dream of Barack Obama. And of course, Joe Biden was right there with Barack for eight years. So this is tag team stuff. We are looking at the continuation of the move for globalism and the United States wants to be key in it if and when it happens. Now, that's not, that's not any longer a conspiracy theory. It's a fact. You, you are watching it. We are together. Play out on a national stage right now. And the key thing in it is not dollars and cents. It's not war in Europe. It's our southern border. They are showing us how to turn a nation away from anything in its past, all of the good stuff, all of the bad stuff that we've worked through, our parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, and on up the line, they work through the bad things to make it better. And folks, making it better has nothing to do with lawlessness. Lawlessness is not part of that. Our government, from the White House down, at the highest levels, are corrupt. How do I know that? It's real simple. They each take an oath of office, and in that oath, they pledge to support the Constitution. The rule of law is detailed in the Constitution. What does the rule of law say? It says, Congress, regarding the nation, Congress will pass all laws regarding everything to do with our lives. Not that stuff so much that happens at the state and local level, but on a national level. And constitutionally, our forefathers put in there that the federal government has total control and is responsible for everything to do with protecting our borders, north and south. We just took it for granted for two and a half centuries. That's the way it was going to work. And we may have had some questions with the immigration process and the immigration law, the legal immigration, but even with its problems, do you understand that the United States of America allows more immigrants to come into our country legally each year than do all of the other 192 countries in the world combined allowing immigrants to come into their countries legally. One million each year. That's what our number is. One million each year. That Now that didn't even sound like a lot because Joe Biden, he just blew by the one million a year sign with his steady, everyday plugging of illegal immigrants into our nation. You just heard Dan Patrick talk about one perspective of what we're looking at. Over the weekend, Andy Biggs, a Republican from Arizona, he's in the House. He says that Biden's new policies potentially will entice twenty to 30,000 border crossers and illegal aliens every day. 
every single day. Put all those numbers together, those and Dan Patrick. The CDC, they've announced they're going to end Title 42 on May 23rd. I thought it was the end of May. I didn't realize it, but we're only uh, we're only about two weeks away from it happening. This authority, which serves as a border control measure, it was structured to allow federal immigration people to quickly return 2 million illegal aliens to their native countries over the last two years. Title 42, what's it about? We can't let you in here because we don't know what's going on with you regarding COVID-19. So the Biden folks now have admitted they're looking up to half a million border crossers headed this way every month. They're now admitted that, folks. Every month, they're looking for half a million. That's the equivalence of Mesa, Arizona's resident population. Every month, half a million illegals coming to our nation. Can you imagine what that's going to look like as it plays out? I can't fathom it. And see, now... Still, we're in this environment where you can't say anything. If you say anything, you're automatically labeled as being xenophobic or they'll throw them all at you. You're a racist. You don't like anybody of color. I'm at the point now where I don't care what they say. And we need our 535 members of the United States Congress to realize they need to quit this wokeism, this political partisanship, this trying to reshape the nation and uh, maintain political power by letting a bunch of illegals coming in here that are going to be indebted to the party that's doing this. Who is that? The Democrat Party. It's time for us to do something that, I mean, we just found it. I found it. I've been looking for it for decades, and I seem to be the only one in the nation that found it. What did I find? Honesty. Just keep your freaking word. Be honest about what you committed to do when you raised your hand, put the other one on the Bible, and swore an oath to do just that. This does not have to be a political partisan thing, and it should not be. It should be 535 people plus all of those in the Biden administration that are appointees, they all swore that they were going to uphold the Constitution. They all swore an oath to the rule of law. And every one of them in the Biden administration, top to bottom, they're blowing through their oaths of office. And folks, it is criminal for them to do it. Criminal. Now, what do we do to take care of it? It's just simple little voters out here. We got to do it in the ballot box. We got to do it in the recall program. Each state has a different one. We've got to do it. We can't sit here and let our country turn into a third world country. I'll make a prediction for you. If we don't do this in three years, we will be the equivalent of a Southeast Asian totalitarian, call it authoritarian, whatever you want to call it a banana republic. We'll still be called the republic, but we won't really be a republic because it's been completely altered by a small group of authoritarian people at the top of our government that decided they wanted to destroy 
democracy, our representative Republican forecast, the way that we live, all of that, to try to grab as much political power and might as they possibly can. With that, they can do anything with this country they want to. Now, Dan Patrick was in that conversation with Fox Team's overnight, uh, Fox's overnight team, and they talk about uh, what Governor Abbott did about, you know, hiring those buses, charting those buses, grabbing those illegals at the southern border, taking them to D.C. He did that on Wednesday, and he did that because Biden's ineffective leadership in securing the border and ending the expedited deportation measure, Title 42, Abbott said, we've had enough here in Texas. So he told the Texas Department of Emergency Management to charter those buses, send them to those local communities on the southern border who are overwhelmed with those illegals. We're sending them to the U.S. Capitol, Abbott said, where the Biden administration is going to be able to more immediately address the needs of the people that they're allowing to come across the border. Seth Christensen, who is the chief of media and communications for this Bureau of Texas, he spoke out and he expressed the impact this policy is already having. From the Rio Grande Valley to Terrell County, he said, a large majority of communities that first reached out for support through this operation, they've now said the federal government has stopped dropping migrants in their towns since the governor's announcement last Wednesday. Abbott said this on Thursday, Biden has refused to come to the border to see our chaos that he's created, so we're going to take the border to him. Now, you may have heard lots of stories coming out over the weekend about this program. They've already started it, folks. They've already started. In the last 24 hours, they have dispatched buses to areas where these communities have expressed their concerns about the government dropping off migrants and has the capability to send as many as is necessary to fulfill the request for mayors and county judges. Each bus can transport 40 passengers at a time. In addition, obviously with the big bellies underneath to supplies needed for these individual people. Some have tried to dismiss the plan as a political ploy, a gimmick, because the illegal immigrants have to volunteer to get on the buses. The Biden administration has no idea about the chaos it has stoked. You think that Americans are angry about inflation right now? Wait till they see the chaos that's going to occur on the border because of Biden's open border policies. I got to be honest with you. I'm from originally born in Southeast Texas. My family moved to Louisiana and I've been here ever since. Um, but I still look at, at Texas. I have rel- a lot of relatives in Texas. I business in Texas. I love Texas. I love the state. I love going there. I've been all over Texas from top to bottom and it's a massive state. I can tell you what's, uh, what explains and describes how big it is if you're on I-10 going west. That's across south Louisiana. You're going west. When you get into Texas, just before you get to Beaumont, Texas, you get a sign that says El Paso, Texas, 663 miles. (laughs) That's a long way. 
Texas is big. It has 29 million people. It's big there. They have a lot of say-so, as they should, folks. They should. And what is going on with this government illustrates we have some major needs that have to be explained, have to be believed. They've got to be factual. They've got to be believed. And people have to act on them. There's one member of the Congress that has just been postal about this and very vocal, Chip Roy. And in a Judiciary Committee hearing on Friday, Jerry Nadler, the Penguin, he's the chair of that House Judiciary Committee, he and Chip Roy went nose to nose. And I listened to it, and I, I, I over the weekend I said, we gotta, we got to have this on Monday's show. Here's Chip Roy. And every once in a while, you hear Jerry Nadler pipe into this back and forth during the committee hearing on Thursday. First of all, when the gentlelady from Texas uh, refers to the uh, supposed concern and fear that she has about the Omicron variant coming in April, then on what basis is the CDC recommending that they end Title 42? (laughs) If, If this is such a great concern, then why would the CDC say, oh, no, we don't need to use Title 42? to protect our Border Patrol agents, protect Americans, stem the tide of 8,000 people a day coming across our border. By the way, it's not just COVID, tuberculosis, flu, uh, all sorts of different communicable diseases. And so, oh, we've got this big fear coming in April, but oh, that's no, we don't want to have Title 42. And my colleague from Texas mocked the focus by some of my colleagues on the need to have Title 42 as if it's not causing rampant flow across our border, little girls put in stash houses, getting raped, cartels making $100 million. And then the chairman scoffs. The chairman scoffs when I say little girl getting raped in a stash house. Has the chairman been to the border of Texas? Has the chairman been in the last year to the border of Texas and met with border patrol agents, gone down and talked to the people that are sitting there looking at what's actually happening in stash houses? the gentleman yield? I'll yield briefly. Yes. And what did you find? No stash houses? The chairman scoffed. Is the chairman saying there are no stash houses with no little girls getting raped in Texas? The gentleman will yield? I will. I am not saying there are no stash houses. I'm not saying little girls not being raped in Texas and in every other state in the union for that matter. Well, then reclaiming my time, when the chairman scoffs, when we talk about the, the damage being done to this country, with cartels having complete operational control of our border, charging three to $5,000 a day to come across the border, and little girls getting put into the sex trafficking trade, I think that tells us a lot about where the priorities are of this committee. And I'm getting a little sick and tired of my colleagues on the other side of the aisle scoffing at Texans having to take the brunt of this. Ranchers losing their longtime family-held ranches. Fences getting cut, livestock getting out, people getting abused. And my other side of the aisle just doesn't give a whit about it as evidenced by the scoff of the Judiciary Committee chairman. It's absolutely mind-boggling. This is what the American people are absolutely sick and tired of. And we're sitting here debating an amendment because we want to say that the power of the federal government shouldn't be used to go after American citizens because they take a different view or they want to share information about their concern about an administration of a vaccine in their arm by a pharmaceutical company that is liability protected by government. 
from any action by citizens to say, wait a minute, what might happen to me if I stick that in my arm? Are we back? I don't know about this. I just I just can't figure this out anyway. That was a great back and forth between Chip Roy and the Penguin, head of the uh, Judiciary Committee. And what was illustrated in that was how wide all of this illegal immigration spreads across our lives. That entire hearing at the Judiciary Committee was they were discussing a new proposed bill that is going to give, it's going to create a new entity in the federal government that is charged with doing just one thing, watching you and me, checking our social media across the board, and having unilateral authority to investigate us if anything that we say or anything that we post regarding being against COVID-19 vaccines or not against the vaccines, but the untruths, the lies that have been perpetrated by people in this administration and others in private business about the vaccines, if you question any of it, you're going to be in the bullseye of the Department of Justice. That was what was being discussed. And Representative Chip Roy took it on basically saying, how crazy to even go down this street when we don't. The federal government, the Biden administration, doesn't enforce the criminal aspects of breaking federal immigration laws. We have millions, 20 to 40 million, we don't even know the real number, of illegals in this nation today And the fact that we can't tell you this is how many are here illustrates how bad it's gotten. We don't have any idea what's there. We don't have any idea of what they're doing. But yet, this Congress that's controlled by Democrats, what they want to do, they want to ratchet down and get more and more control so they can stifle dissent. If you don't like the vaccination program, any of them that were put in place during the Biden administration, You're evil, and you need to be set aside, and the government's going to watch you to make sure you don't cross any bridges. And folks, a bridge today that is illegal in the the past to cross, that's not the way it works anymore. That's not the way they wanted to. If you think about crossing that illegal bridge or the one, that red line, the proverbial red line, if you even think about crossing that, you're an evil person, and we're going to watch you. And if you even blink wrong, we're coming to take you away. And don't think they can't do that and won't do it. Do you know that a huge portion of the 700 plus people that were arrested under the January 6th insurrection stuff investigation that went on, 700 plus were arrested and put in jail, many of them. In Washington, D.C., do you know that a huge share of those people are still there? More than a year later, as of now, less than 10 of those people have been tried with the results being executed, whatever the results were. 
Now, there have been a bunch of plea bargains that have put together. And do you know that the way the FBI does it when they plea bargain with you? They're going to cut a deal with you. And the deal that they cut is if you plead guilty, we'll make sure you don't go to jail. But if you don't plead guilty, we're going to hang on to you right here and we're going to keep investigating you and finding more stuff about you. They call that a plea bargain. Does that sound like a plea bargain? It sounds like a threat. Nothing more than a threat. That's how this DOJ works. And who put this DOJ together? Eight years under the Obama administration and Joe Biden. A big piece of it went underground for four years when Donald Trump was president. He revealed some things, but at the very top of the DOJ were people that didn't want the stuff to get out, the truth to get out. So they buried it and kept it kind of quiet. We saw during the Mueller investigation how evil the FBI can be when they politicize things. Can you imagine our forefathers being alive today and witnessing what we are allowing to happen? It's incredible. So much more to get into today. One of the most egregious things I've heard come out of the mouths of anybody in Congress. I heard this weekend. I listened to it. I replayed it two or three times. And I couldn't believe that a member of the House of Representatives would utter that. Hakeem Jeffries, and I grabbed it for you. He's going to be here. And it's going to blow your mind. Also, one of your favorites, one of my favorites, Adam Schiff is here with some bits of wisdom for us all. Of course, the uh, disgraced representative from the state of California always has great things to bring to a conversation. <laughs> and and he, uh, he brought some things to a conversation, but you'll listen and decide for yourself if what he brought to us was very effective. And then, of course, we have the Hunter Biden debacle. Jim Jordan is going to be here. You're going to hear from him. Love to hear from you, too. You want to weigh in anytime, toll free, 866-1-866-37-TRUTH. 1-866-37-TRUTH. Back in a minute with Monday TNN Live. Join a community of online learning and find your bright future at the American Women's College of Bay Path University. Getting your college education doesn't necessarily make it so you have different self-worth or you mean more. There's so many different roads you can take. But if you have the feeling that you want it, go get it. The American Women's College is supportive and kind and what you've created has changed lives and I'm so grateful that I can say I've been part of it. Enrolling now for September and November at baypath.edu slash future. You get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. You can get the claim-free discount, which gives you money off your homeowner's policy if you've been claim-free for three consecutive years. Also applies for three successive years, three years straight, and what's known to insurance fans as the claim-free three-peat. Get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. Start with a quote by calling 1-800-FARMERS. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Now for the legal something. Not available in every state. Only available with select farmers' branded policies subject to terms and conditions underwritten by Farmer's Truck or Fire Insurance Exchanges or Affiliate. Today on Hey Culligan, softer equals better. Here's a tweet from Ed Itchy in Idaho. Hey Culligan, my laundry is so scratchy, I just cut myself on a cable knit sweater. Any suggestions? Hashtag send help. Hey, Ed Itchy in Idaho. Yes, the Culligan high efficiency water softener will make that thing so soft, it'll go from cable knit to cable knot. 
itchy. Hashtag soft laundry. Hashtag already on the way. Get started for as little as $10 a month for six months at participating Culligan dealers. If you think we're just four wheels and a grill, think again. The Jeep Grand Cherokee redefines freedom. But what really makes Jeep? It's finding the perfect balance between luxury and adventure without ever compromising. It's driving across the country to see your family, to make new memories. So, what makes Jeep? You do. Jeep. There's only one. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. It's hard to hear the truth, but if the truth will set us free, we'd rather enjoy freedom. TNN, the Truth News Network. Again, Dan Newman. It, it just seems like every time we turn one mic off, when we come back, it's not live. It's a channel. I, I just don't understand. I am so sorry about this. Uh, in normal circumstances, this would be something we would just say, we'll shut down and come back later, do it another time. But we have too many things to get into here today. This microphone's going to sound a little different. Please bear with me. When we get off the air today, we're going to figure out what's going on here. Um... I'm an equipment junkie. I am not an electronics expert, but I probably am a pretty good amateur understanding things that go on with uh, electronics. There is something going on in our console. I don't understand, but we'll find out later. Apologies. We'll just move on here. Before we, um, we get into discussions about anything else, something that came out over the weekend that uh, had to do with this Title 42 thing. Um, The Remain in Mexico border. Have you heard anything about that? You remember Donald Trump put that in place that basically said, um, you got to, uh, if you come over here and you apply for asylum, you do the legal paperwork and all that kind of stuff. We're going to let it be processed. But while it's being processed, you're not going to stay here. Donald Trump cut a deal with Mexico and they took those illegals, and took care of them across back in Mexico until their asylum claims come up. Well, what that did, it eliminated most of the people that were coming up that were going to file bogus asylum claims. They said, we don't want to live in a camp for four, five, six months and just wait for an asylum claim to come up in a court docket. So we're not even going to go. We're not even going to waste our time. It, it Legal immigrants just the numbers trickled down to almost zero. It was called the Remain in Mexico plan. Well, Biden and his gang, they don't like it. And they prefer what they call a humane system that welcomes migrants, regardless of the nations, our nations, way more than half of our nation believe that immigration laws need to be enforced, those that were passed by Congress. So that program was one that had been very effective at keeping some migrants out of the border detention facilities. This came out, and this is verbatim from somebody that was in the room several times. What room? The Oval Office. During a White House meeting last summer, 
that was convened to discuss options for dealing with the record numbers of migrants at the border. Ms. Elizabeth Sherwood Randall in that meeting raised the possibility of restoring that very controversial Remain in Mexico plan. With some additional protections, they would write into it for migrants. Now, this came and was confirmed by two different people that were in the meeting. That idea, when it was put out there by Ms. Sherwood Randall, horrified all the immigration advocates that were inside the administration. They went nuts. They looked at what she said not only as a breach of Biden's campaign pledge, but also as a retreat from promise of a more humane immigration system. By the way, the president, too, seemed very uncomfortable with the idea. Since then, a court, a federal court, has forced Biden's deputies to restart the program. Well, when, you know, the Supreme Court, coming up through federal courts, when they say, you got to abide by this because it was put in legally, and you can change the rule first and change it, but you've got to enforce it while it's still in play. And they were told to do it. I personally, if I got a directive like that from a federal court, I'm all in. I'm going to do what they tell me to do. Not Joe Biden, not Alejandro Mayorkas. They've only used it for about 2,000 people out of the 1 million plus who have been caught at the border since his inauguration. The technical name for it is Migrant Protection Protocols, MPP. What it does, it sends migrants back into those camps in Mexico for a few months until a judge over here is ready to hear their pleas for asylum. So if they lose their pleas when they go to court, they are then flown home at your expense. If they win, they're allowed into the United States and also at your expense. The policy works. It works because it blocks economic migrants from getting the jobs they need to repay their debts. If the migrants cannot get jobs, they can't pay their smuggling debts. That's according to Walter Sinche, the executive director of the Ecuadorian International Alliance. All over, coyotes are lending money to migrants, but they got to sign a document that says, if you're not paying the debt, I'll take your land or your house or any other property. If the debt's not paid, most of the time, they just take the properties. So what does Biden and his gang, they think it's a better plan. Well, they prefer to accelerate the economic migration, and they're doing it by offering catch and release to the migrants. They are selling that, that concept. They're selling it across the border. Do you know what is happening the Biden administration on Alejandro Mayorkas's watch, they are cutting deals with the cartels in Mexico who are making billions of dollars. The estimates is in a week, the cartels are making $1 billion collectively propagating this southern border migration plan that Joe Biden has put in place. The policy allows migrants to cross the border and take a job the next day. For Biden and his crew, their big plan is to treat foreign migrants humanely. 
And that's more important than their legal and national obligation to protect their fellow American and the federal Americans' wages, the careers of their fellow Americans, and housing from a wave of these migrant laborers and renters. And you've seen the result. It's a massive inflow of about a million cheap workers who are desperate for work, and then when they get here, they're exploited by these big U.S. employers, mostly in the agriculture sector. The employers, they can just hire the workers while discarding the American workers. They can cut their wages, reduce their workplace accommodations for parents, recovering addicts, untrained youths, and people who might go back to work after years of relying on government handouts. That's gone. It'll all be on you and I, the taxpayers. And they look at what they're doing, and they're not only okay with it, they're excited about it. They can't wait to expand it. The New York Times. The New York Times reported that the response to the expected migration spike is to offer migrants quick processing and efficient transport to the jobs they want. It's gone this far. Where's the news about all this? This is now coming out from the New York Times. Homeland Security officials recently released a plan for responding to that spike. An official from the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA, is leading this formal operation. They aim to swiftly and humanely get migrants through border processing and into immigration detention or to their final destination. You're paying for it, and you're paying drug and trafficking cartels in Mexico. You're paying them to do this. Can you believe that? It's true, and it's coming out, and nobody in the White House is giving us any pushback about it. It's factual. It's there. What are we going to do, folks? What can we do, but what are we going to do? We've got to do something. We know they are all they are all breaking impeachable criminal laws. How do you remove a representative of Congress? You vote them out. You vote them out. How do you how do you vote them out? Well, if they're not running right now and they need to go out, what's your only option? Impeachment. Impeachment. Joe Biden, the president of the United States, is way down the road. It just no black and white miss things. There's no gray there, folks. What he is doing and allowing to be done and encouraging publicly is an impeachable offense. Alejandro Mayorka should be gone six months ago if he ever should have been hired. And there are numerous other people that need to go with them. Where is our constitutional structure? Where's the House of Representatives? Where's Nancy Pelosi? What are they doing? Well, they're sitting on their heels waiting to see what's going to happen, what Joe Biden is going to throw them in the way of another bone of legislation that they can rape the American public with, and then they'll jump all over that. You know that. Until then, 
What are they doing? They're finding ways to spend more money. They're finding ways to accumulate. They're finding ways to get more power that they seize from us with all of these stupid policies that mean nothing other than one thing. We want power. We will get power if we just have to seize it from the people. That's what we're going to do. It's, it's, it's coming to this. That's what it's coming to. This microphone is now doing its thing again. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I don't know if we'll ever get this straight. <laughs> I know the piece of equipment that's bad. We'll tackle that later. Other things that we need to get into that are just as important. I don't know if anything's as important or more important than our immigration stuff. But those folks, our friends overseas, they're really going through it. Ukrainian people, and because it's happening over there, and because it's it's not in a place, especially right now, where information, real news and information is is accessible, we're just getting fed pieces of fodder that news outlets and government people want us to hear. In the nation of Russia, Russia, oh my gosh, yeah, we're just now hearing out of Russia they're for the first time expressing their own outrage at the catastrophic death toll of Putin's troops in Ukraine, especially among those young guys that they call cannon fodder soldier. They're speaking out online. Despite online, folks, the Putin government, is he's threatened severe punishment for doing, though. You, you can't come out online and say anything bad about the invasion of Ukraine. Big blow over the weekend came out. The death toll was announced to officially be 19,000 Russian soldiers have been killed. One case that really struck the hearts of Russians was the death of a tank driver. A guy named Alexei Veselkov, one of thousands sent to die in Ukraine by Putin. He's 24, or he was 24. And he just got married in June this year. Last year. And his daughter was born last month, right before he was killed. He never saw his baby girl. It's unbearable to see and read about this. I mean, it's crazy. We're seeing pictures and stuff. Mass graves, even for Russian soldiers. What's it going to take? What's it going to take to get into this? You know the sanctions that Joe bragged about, and he uh, he said they were going to stop Putin from doing anything bad, or if he did, if you cross this line, you're going to get popped because we're going to pop you. Well, they've done that. A lot has happened, and finally, we thought we had quit getting buying oil from Russia. We thought that weeks ago, didn't we? Well, it hadn't happened. It hadn't happened. Did you know that? We're still buying oil from Russia every day. Think about that. What is the hypocrisy of that? And we're screaming and hollering. This is the one that blows my mind. We are demanding that every European country cut their ties. Stop buying gas. Stop buying oil from Russia. You got to quit doing that, Europe. Where else are they going to get it? 
They don't have great relationships with OPEC nations, on the most part. OPEC is sitting down there, the leaders of those nations that comprise OPEC, those leaders are just sitting around, they're rubbing their hands together like, oh my gosh, it's going to get better. They're going to come to us. They're going to have to come to us. This is a way for us to even get richer because we'll sock it to them. Before Joe Biden was in the White House, guess where these European nations were getting a chunk of their liquid national gas? A big lion's share of it. More than 25% came from the United States, and almost all of that came through a brand new LNG processing plant in southwest Louisiana, brand spanking new. Lots of natural gas comes out of Louisiana, but there's, there's much, much more that comes out of Texas, Oklahoma, but it was all being processed through pipelines down in Lake Charles, Louisiana for processing in that plant there. That plant is almost shut down. Why is that? Joe Biden. Say what you will. Democrats, you want to you counter me? Let me know how wrong I am. Feel free to do so. 1-866-378-7884. 1-866-37-TRUTH. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to talk facts with you, not emotions. I won't scream. I won't holler. And I would expect the same from you. Feel free to call, but it's Biden's decisions that have destroyed, almost destroyed the energy sector, domestic energy sector sector of the United States. And so we're not able to take care of our own selves now. We're processing and bringing to the market far less, far less, more than a million barrels a day of oil than we were when Joe Biden was inaugurated. Why is that? Why is that? When you talk bad about a energy sector and the president of the United States and all his people and many in the majority in Congress every day, they demean Fossil fuel energy, fossil fuel, evil, evil, evil. It's destroying our climate. And they're all doing that while they're watching money just pop into everybody's pockets around that owns pieces of energy companies. And they use the guise of climate change. We've got to continue on the climate change track. We've got to do away with fossil fuel. We've got to force our whole energy industry to go to solar and wind. That's the answer. Battery power, solar energy, and wind. That's where we got to go. The problem is we're not there. We, we couldn't flip a switch and go there. It's impossible. So where are our friends in Europe going to turn now that we've shut them off? Joe Biden shut them off. We don't have nearly the oil that we used to sell to them. We're not producing it. Why aren't we producing it? Because there's no incentive by this government. The regulations that Biden put in, nobody is talking about that mainstream media. But you get some people that are in these energy companies and talk to them specifically. We've played interviews with them here. The new bureaucratic 
regulations that Joe Biden put on the fossil fuel energy sector, it not only doesn't entice them to do more in production of energy, oil and gas, it punishes them if they do. Biden's not being honest about that. Nobody in his administration is. And so, therefore, they're trying to deflect the blame that the American people are putting on those who are responsible for this. Who's responsible for $4 a gallon gas? Well, if you listen to Joe Biden, it's Vladimir Putin. He doesn't want you to remember that before this Ukraine thing happened, the price of gas had more than doubled. That was Joe Biden. Vladimir Putin wasn't even in the equation then. A Democrat that is in a powerful position in government will never accept responsibility for a bad decision that they made publicly. Never. Never admit you're wrong. That's one of the mantras of Democrat leadership in the United States. Never admit it. Never admit you made a bad decision, even when the results of your decisions are widespread and everyone sees and knows where they came from, what the source is. You. They never do that. So back to Russia. They're getting socked economically. But have all of those sanctions worked yet? No, they haven't. For starters, they're still getting money every day from all those nations in Europe. And oh, by the way, still us. Biden did sign a bill into law that it will stop the United States from buying oil and gas from Russia, but he signed it over the weekend, and it's not its not scheduled to go into place until next month. We're still buying oil from them every day. So Russia's economy is already in tatters. There are expectations of it failing. They're going to take some eagle action. Russia, if we try to force them into default on their sovereign debt, And I haven't heard anybody talk about this over here. Their finance minister came out over the weekend and he discussed it with Epoch News. He said, of course we will sue because we've taken all the necessary steps to ensure that investors get their payments. He's talking about those that have uh, bought Russian bonds and other types of security. If they can't get paid on on that debt, what are those people that hold that those bonds and stuff, what are they going to do? Well, you know, when you default on a loan, what happens? They sue you. This Russian minister said, we'll present in court our bills confirming our efforts to pay both in foreign currency and rubles. It will not be an easy process. We'll have to be very actively to prove our case despite all the difficulties Russia faces its first sovereign external default in more than a century after it made some arrangements to make an international bond repayment in rubles earlier this week, their their currency, even though the payment was due to be paid in U.S. dollars. Why would people not want rubles in U.S. dollars? Well, believe it or not, right now, dollars are more stable (laughs) than our Russian rubles But that, as you know, could change at any time. This whole thing is just impacting everybody. Now, I told you about Biden signing that law 
What it was was to end what's termed normal trade relations with Russia. And then he signed a a separate measure. I don't know if it's a law or a rule, but it's to confirm our ban on Russian oil imports. It's H.R. 7108, the Suspending Normal Trade Relations with Russia and Belarus Act. It stops normal trade with both countries. And what they're trying to do is get some leverage trade and human rights sanctions in place. What does this mean? It means Biden can put higher tariffs on any Russian import, like certain steel, aluminum products, putting more pressure on the Russian economy. Hopefully we won't, uh, we won't sanction any wheat. Bread over here is going to get out of just going to price wise going to get out out of the the moon here before long they've already been heavily impacted by our sanctions and it's not just us multiple countries in response to its invasion of ukraine the u.s alone has sanctioned them on multiple russian individuals not just the government including the president vladimir putin's daughter as well as a bunch of russian banks and other state-owned enterprises So to revoke this normal trade relations with them, what does it mean? What will happen? Well, it it requires an act of Congress to do it in the first place, and it did pass the Senate 100 to nothing and the House uh, 420 to 3. So you ask, who are the three that voted against it? Matt Gates of Florida, Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia, Tom Massey of Kentucky. They spent a lot of time in the Senate discussing it on final details and language. In late March, Rand Paul from Kentucky in the Senate had objected to this bill and prevented it from being approved. He had opposed language over sanctions for global human rights abusers, saying it was too big, too wide, too broad, and prone to being abused. He argued it would have an effect, expanded the global Magnitsky bill which was a 2016 human rights sanctions measure. Eight other Republicans in the House had voiced similar concerns. The other bill, 6968, also referred to as the Ending Import of Russian Oil Act, it passed the Senate 100 to 0, the House 413 to 9. I don't know. I'd have to I'd have to read the bill and I'm sorry I apologize I had not read it to find out what was in it that these people opposed. But in any way, we have cut it off, and the process will just take a little bit to get going. But that's the first step. Joe Biden's not very quick, not much in a hurry to get things done most of the time. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. Carb up with Yakisoba, the noodle masters. No matter what stage of life you're in, we have the perfect noodles for you. From birthday noodles to wedding noodles, all the way to those most final of noodles. Every occasion has a noodle at Yakisoba, so experience something different. Yakisoba, it literally means fried noodles. See the bold new expression of sporty style. Here, the amazing quietness of a truly luxurious cabin. Feel the exceptional horsepower and amazing torque 
and experience greater acceleration than ever before. Behold, the most powerful sedan in its class. The new Toyota Camry. Real power, absolute performance. Discover the new Camry at toyota.com.my. Disruptive may be just another overused buzzword, but disruptions in business like network downtime, data loss, social media abuse, and limited bandwidth are downright disruptive. For businesses large or small, Barracuda Networks offers powerful, affordable, yet easy-to-implement content security, application delivery, and data protection solutions, all designed to prevent disruptions and simplify IT. For an online demo or to try any of our security or storage solutions risk-free for 30 days, visit barracuda.com disruptive. New Dunkin' Refreshers. Vibrant fruit flavors like strawberry dragon fruit and peach passion fruit. B vitamins and energy from green tea. All under 200 calories. Order ahead via the Dunkin' app for a contactless way to order, pay, and pick up in the drive-thru. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Again, the problem with the microphone. I, I I just don't get it, folks. I have no idea. Anyway, on to business. Remember I told you there was something really big that uh, and was pretty momentous that happened regarding China in Northern Europe over the weekend. Chinese Air Force cargo jets, a bunch of them, ferried arms to Europe on Saturday as a reminder of China's long reach into world affairs and their big agreement and get along with Vladimir Putin. Six Y-20 cargo planes. They were first tracked as they entered European airspace before landing in Belgrade. Belgrade is the capital of Serbia. One highly unusual measure, perhaps reflective of this conflict in which Europe finds itself. You know, we think Oh, this is just Russia and Ukraine involved in this. But anything that happens as big as this, especially in that part of the world, you got to remember Europe, it's not, a, it's not really a bunch of countries. When you look at it, it's like a big country. And those countries within it, they literally are sovereign nations. But in comparison, it looks like our states. When you drive from country to country in Europe, with a few exceptions, it's like driving across the middle of the United States, going from... You know, Missouri to Colorado to Utah to Nevada instead of country to country. But now you have China literally physically bringing fighting equipment into that part of the world. Observers noted at least some of those planes had the covers for their chaff and flare countermeasures systems removed. It looks like they very much have been equipped with live countermeasures, which would be in anticipation of some sort of potential threat while they were flying. What the threat would have been isn't clear. This is just really, really spooky. If it was these Y-20s flying in anywhere in the world, their presence would, would have been notable, but wouldn't have been really you know, significant. You wouldn't be worried about it. But it raised eyebrows because they flew together as opposed to a series of single aircraft flights. The Y-20s being in Europe in any number is also still a fairly new development. So what are they carrying? 
HQ-22 surface-to-air missile systems that we have been told are going to be used in Serbia. A military analyst, Alexander Roddick, said the Chinese carried out their demonstration of force. That's what it was about, he said. Serbian President Alexander Vucic said that he's going to display the newest pride of his country's military tomorrow or Wednesday this week. So, the country, (laughs) the country of Serbia is arming itself to the teeth. Now, why are they doing that? Why are they doing that? Have you looked at a map to see where Serbia is? If you haven't, you need to. It's all these little countries, the Baltic states is what they're called, former part, formerly part of the old Soviet Union, Ukraine being, again, a bigger piece of that. Ukraine's considered to be the jewel of the old Soviet Union. This is all about collecting all of those little babies and putting them back in mama's lap. Of course, that's figuratively speaking, but that's exactly what Vladimir Putin is up to. He wants to put it all back together. And of course, he wants to be the chief in all of this. We'll keep our eyes on it, folks. All we can do is monitor it, tell you about it, keep you posted with what we discover. But it just seems like this kind of spooks me a little bit that we're not being told everything by our government. And you would think in this Ukraine-Russia thing, they would want to do that. In times of war, People, and especially Americans in our history, we pull together. We put our differences beside in large point. We pull together and work together, and we try to get on the same page. It makes it easier. You would think the Biden administration, looking back over their shoulders, looking back at history before any of us were here, you would see in history that usually works, and you just try to use it at least. I mean, that's the furthest thing from anybody's minds in this administration. They kind of like the idea of division, anger, separation, instead of being in unity with each other. At least that's what their actions speak. There's something that very few are talking about, although every once in a while it pops its little head when we get our economic numbers. Every day it's looking more likely that our economy is going to tumble into recession. Maybe not this year, but next year. Now, the economists and analysts are saying that it looks like it is likely. Rising inflation, when you couple that with low unemployment, the pandemic, our supply chain problems, this war between Russia and Ukraine with the energy implications for all of us, everybody on the globe. Plus, don't forget about this, the churn of elections over here and elsewhere, like in France, All of that, when you put it together, it just makes things look really bleak for our economy. The New York Times said in the French presidential runoff on April 24th, the economy there is going to be key. Wall Street Journal this month, on average, put the probability of the economy being in recession sometimes in the next 12 months at 28%. And what does that look like in the past? Well, it's up from 18% in January, 13% a year ago. Who's in charge of all of this? Who makes this happen? Who can fix it? Well, we always look to the Fed, the Federal Reserve. And the chairman of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, he said last month that they don't anticipate a recession this year. 
But since his last public comments about it, the Fed appears more aggressively ready to fight inflation with interest rate hikes. What happens then? You pay more for everything. We all pay more for everything. That's part of inflation. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Joe. Regarding inflation and enjoying the factors that weigh in on it for us all, Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff got in the conversation how to get our energy independence back. It was a conversation ongoing in the middle of this thing with Vladimir Putin. Questions were answered. Here's question and here's Adam Schiff responding. Putin has made it very clear that he will use Russia's energy dominance as a political weapon. Is it time for us to abandon climate-focused energy policies like a drill ban on federal lands, like drilling pipelines, and instead increase U.S. oil and gas production in full force? Uh, I don't think the response to Putin making war uh, on Ukraine ought to be the dismantling of our uh, protections against climate change. I do think what it ought to prompt is a wholesale effort to wean Europe off of uh, Russian uh, oil and gas uh, so that uh, Russia can no longer use that as leverage against Europe. Uh, and uh, I think it, it ought to spell at a minimum the, uh, the final death of Nord Stream 2. Uh, so I think that ought to be our response to uh, Russia's use of oil and gas as a geopolitical weapon. We have all these um, experts in the U.S. Congress that are talking about things in the finance, things in the economy, different industries in that. And we just assume our basic point of perspective about whoever's talking, if they are a member of Congress, they're supposed to be pretty well-educated people that know the, the ins and outs of everything going on in our economy, right? Adam Schiff, Southern California. He's a lawyer. To my knowledge, he's never made a payroll. He's never had to fight to get money in to make a payroll for employees. He has no idea what makes an economy work. He listens to a selected group of people that pontificate based upon their knowledge, they say, but it's based upon political thuggery in most cases. Everything about an economy and what you do and what you don't do, it's got to align with a particular uh, political narrative. Whatever your line is, if you're a Democrat, you're going to say you believe everything going the Democrat way. If you're a Republican, you'll say anything about economics that goes to the Republican, the conservative side of things. It's no different in any other country on the planet. It never has been, but it's never been as strikingly divisive as it is today. And he's a, a perfect example of the differences, Adam Schiff. He's always been a master at doubling down on divisiveness and just driving it up in intensity on every issue that he gets involved with. He hates Donald Trump. He always did. He hates Donald Trump. And he even, to keep Donald Trump from ever serving again in office, he is the key proponent on the January 6th committee. In fact, if you remember the early goings, we found out, we discovered that he had lied about evidence, had put false quote-unquote evidence in the committee's records that they discussed just trying 
to turn the table on Donald Trump. But guess what, folks? It's not just about President Trump. You're a conservative? It's about you. You're a Republican? It's about you. Anything and anybody to do anything conservative means that you're stupid, that you're uneducated, you don't accept facts, you can't put a opinion together to counter anything that the left says, and because of that, you don't have any way to have a right to even have a conversation about the important things of our lives. You know who Hakeem Jeffries is. He was one of the, uh, in the first Donald Trump um, he, trial, when it was before the trial, when the House of Representatives put together their Articles of Incorporation and then a group of uh, appointed people went across to represent the Democrats in that trial of Donald Trump for impeachment, Hakeem Jeffries was in that group. And to be quite honest with you, I'd not heard a lot about him other than he was a hardcore leftist. I did not know how vile he is until those impeachment processes got underway. And that just confirmed where he is. I promised you you were going to hear from him today. Let's do that right now. In the context of Adam Schiff talking about energy and climate change and we just need to stay stay our course and we make sure that we keep investing in climate change but don't get the energy sector involved in that conversation, which is kind of stupid. But we're talking about Adam Schiff. Hakeem Jeffries, you think Adam Schiff is divisive? You think Adam Schiff may be a little uh, unlearned about things? Turn your sound up. Here's Hakeem Def- Jeffries. Republicans seem to want to use the ending of Title 42 as an election topic. How concerned are you about the surge that's predicted to come and them using that in the midterm election to hurt Democrats? I think we have to continue to uh, govern responsibly. And again, we'll wait uh, for presidential action in this area. But we have a strong story to tell, and the Republicans have nothing but rhetoric. And often that rhetoric has no basis in reality. They have no governing agenda. They aren't putting forth ideas. And they're unwilling, of course, to denounce the pro-Putin wing of the Republican Party, the pro-insurrection wing of the Republican Party, and the pro-hate wing of the Republican Party. Instead, it's just rhetoric, often nonsense, with no good ideas being put forth to help out everyday Americans. So I'm not concerned about the Republican rhetoric. Did you really hear that? Did you hear what he said? What he said about conservatives and what conservatives aren't doing and often that rhetoric has no basis in reality they have no governing agenda they aren't putting forth ideas the republican party are not putting forth ideas now he may live in a vacuum i don't you don't we hear a lot of things that they promote a lot of things that the republican parties want to do and a lot of them have to be going back and picking up the things that they threw down that were brilliant looking back in hindsight 
and they worked really well, but they didn't fit the political narrative of the Democrat Party, the far left, which he is a member of the far left part of the Democrat Party. It's not that Republicans aren't putting forth any ideas. It's that these people think the ideas the Republicans are putting forth are not ideas. They're not good, so therefore they're insignificant. And Hakeem Jeffries is illustrating that exact point. And they're unwilling, of course, to denounce the pro-Putin wing of the Republican Party. The pro the pro-Putin wing of the Republican Party. I, I guess I don't know about that wing of the Republican Party. I know there are some people, a lot of people, I happen to be one, that abhor war. But that doesn't mean I'm pro-Putin. He's the one that invaded I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody in conservative media that has come out in support of Vladimir Putin doing what he's doing in Ukraine. Where's Hakeem Jeffrey getting this information? Insurrection wing of the Republican Party. Of course, that's the January 6th stuff going on. And as we've talked about before, it's been in court. It still is in court. And the rule of law is taking place, even though we all know it's being politicized by the Department of Justice, and that's bad, but at least these people are getting the ability to defend themselves in court. And if they're bad, if they're evil, they'll, and broke laws, they're going to be held accountable, something that Democrats don't like. They don't like the rule of law. And of course, when somebody disagrees with them, they do like the rule of law, and they need to be prosecuted based upon the rule of law. And the pro-hate wing of the Republican Party. The pro-hate wing of the Republican Party. Who would that be? Well, it's anybody that disagrees with open borders, disagrees with citizenship being bandied about as a carrot to draw tens of millions of other illegals to our borders. We don't like the government doing things without having those things being done in the structure of the U.S. government, doing things the U.S. government has no authority to do, but yet the, on this administration, including under Hakeem Jeffries, this government continues to go do those things, and they call that hate. He calls that hate. If you think anything bad about wide open southern borders, you fall into that group that Hakeem Jeffries says are haters. Instead, it's just rhetoric, often nonsense, with no good ideas being put forth to help out everyday Americans. So I'm not concerned about the Republican rhetoric. No good ideas. Nothing good about those Trump tax cuts that gave everybody in the United States, with the exception of a very few number of very filthy rich people, gave us tax cuts, put more money in our pockets. It drove interest rates even lower than they were. Wages went up. Federal revenue went up the right way. But there, there are no good ideas out there. Nobody's worthy. There's not a Republican out there that even knows what they're talking about. But Hakeem Jeffries and his clan, they got it all figured out. They know everything. You love chocolate. Mm. 
chocolate. You love M&Ms. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate. So you've been avoiding M&Ms. Yeah. Well, fear no more. Huh? M&Ms dark chocolate to the rescue. My heroes. M&Ms dark chocolate candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold. We're here asking people from all over what they think of Lipton Green Tea. Let's hear what people from Texas have to say. Mmm. How about China? Mmm. Germany? Mmm. How about people from the North Pole? Mmm. Or Mars? <laughs> it, what about mimes? Oh, right. People with their jaws wired shut? Oh. Yeah, a barbershop quartet. Oh, you guys are great. How about race car drivers? Mm -hmm. it, what about you, high school glee club, here on a field trip? Well, that settles it. It sounds like everyone loves the taste of Lipton green tea. With its protective antioxidants from real tea, it's not just good for you, it's mmm to you. Lipton tea can do that. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. Locked and Loaded with Truth Ammo. Taking aim at the problem, it's Dan Newman. Yeah. The problem. A piece of equipment in the studio is going bad. Uh, we're going to push through it. We'll make it work tomorrow morning when we get back on the air with you. It's going to all be smooth as silk. Do you know who Thomas Massey is? Representative Thomas Massey. Well, he kind of, uh, I guess he opened the, the barn door over the weekend, discussions about ghost guns. Do you know what ghost guns are? I'd never heard of them until, I guess, maybe the last couple of years. They're guns that are handmade, basically. And the uh, the people in politics, they of course, they don't like guns in any way in the hands of private citizens. But they really don't like ghost guns. Why is that? Because they don't have serial numbers. They're handmade, so they don't have serial numbers. So therefore, they can't be traced. So this conversation is really ramped up. I mean, it sounds evil. It sounds bad. But to be honest with you, the Constitution does not authorize the federal government to stop you from making your own firearm. And this is a fact that's been recognized for 200 plus years. Also, Article 1, Section 1 of the Constitution, which is really the first operative sentence in the Constitution, it says Congress makes law, not the President of the United States. So Biden's going to nominate a guy named Steve Dettelback, an Obama-era former U.S. attorney from Ohio, who's going to be the nominee to lead the ATF. And that nomination is going to be announced today. In fact, it may already on the air. I've not seen it, but it might already be. Biden is also going to deliver 
some remarks from the Rose Garden on things that he is taking in his administration on gun control and cracking down on ghost guns. The Biden administration, they're going to reclassify gun kits to qualify as firearms under the Gun Control Act that requires manufacturers to be licensed and include serial numbers on those kits. Commercial sellers will be required to run background checks before sales of the kits. That's according to people in the Biden administration. So as you can imagine, Second Amendment advocates and conservatives have sounded off that Massey, Representative Massey, is right on with his criticisms. And I happen to, I believe that. And here's why I believe it. It's not that I don't want and I'm worried about somebody sneaking a gun out there and being able to commit crimes with it and not being traced for doing that. I understand that. But this is just another way this administration has been and previous Democrat administrations have been trying to find ways to take guns away from legally owned gun holders. You know what I'm talking about. The White House, they're just not talking to anybody about what's going on, about the Second Amendment stuff they're about to propose and the ghost gun things. This uh, this rule that we just mentioned to you, it's been making its way through the regulation process very quietly for about a year. Gun safety groups and Democrats pushing for the Justice Department to finish the rule. It's high time for a ghost gun exorcism before the proliferation peaks, before people get hurt or worse. That's Chuck Schumer yesterday. My message, he said, is a simple one. No more waiting on these proposed federal rules. Ghost guns are too easy to build, too hard to trace, and too dangerous to ignore. Let me just point a few things out on this issue and probably have a few of you out there that will uh, pile on with me when we did, when we discuss these issues. How many ghost guns p- kill people? Any conversation that I've heard of people talking about ghost guns and we need to get our arms around them and stop them and all this kind of stuff, they never talk about numbers. How many times have you heard a report You know, when a a murder happens, even a mass murder happens, and how many times does any of that include this perpetrator shot and killed this person or these people using a ghost gun? How many times have you heard it? And let's go down on the other side, 180 degrees away. How many people were killed in the weekend in Chicago by guns? How many people around the United States? How many people last month? How many of those guns that killed all these people are ghost guns? Now, let me tell you why I'm asking this question. I don't have an answer. Why don't I have an answer? Nobody gives us any information. Typically, when a Democrat administration wants to put something out, before they put it out for weeks and months, they'll be flooding the airwaves with evidence that proves what they're about to bring to the American people is necessary. Oh my gosh, we got to have this. You've been watching for weeks and weeks and weeks as we've shown you evidence that we need more restrictions, more guidance, more power to shut these things down, whatever they are. Have you seen that happen on ghost guns? I wonder why. But let me, let me just tell you something. I just had this thought. It just, it just popped into my head from nowhere. 
why don't we just start enforcing the hundreds of gun laws that the U.S. Congress has made through the years to stop people from shooting each other, to stop the killing, to stop the abuse of guns. There's not a single gun anywhere on earth that by itself has just shot and killed anybody. We have tens of thousands of people that are shot and killed every year with guns. Some of them are suicide. Some of them are accidental. Many of them are in self-defense. Most of them, by far, are being used by criminals to conduct criminal activities. If you're going to crack down on any part of the gun issue, wouldn't it be smarter to go to where the guns are being used to perpetrate those crimes, get those guns off the street, and hold those accountable? Where are these people getting these guns? They're not making these guns, folks. They're not ghost guns that are killing these people. I'm sure every once in a while there's one that pops up, no doubt. I don't have any stats. I looked over the weekend and I got some narrative, but I didn't get any stats. And to me, that means they're not significant. So we have a big Second Amendment conversation going on. And Joe Biden, in the middle of announcing his nomination for the ATF head, this was a great time for him to sneak the ghost gun issue in there. When I see this kind of thing happen, pretty much in a vacuum where it's had no front-end support, no push, no plan to rush it through any kind of legislative process, it usually means to me there's something in the issue that they are not wanting to talk about, but they need to get the issue out there for discussion. What would that be in this case? What would it be? What do you think it would be having to do with guns and gun control? I don't have an answer. I could give you a guess, but I'm not going to do that. I'm pointing out to you when an administration 90% of the time, if not more, a Democrat administration wants to do something, wants to put something out there and announces that we're going to put it out there, but not giving any background substance that legitimizes the reason for putting it out there before they initiate it. There's always something else that's hanging around in the wind. I'm talking about this and saying this for you to consider this. Watch. Watch after whatever's going to happen. This ghost gun, if they do that, folks, it's meaningless. I'm a gun owner. I've got several guns. I've got some novelty kind of guns. They're not novelty at all. Guns aren't a novelty, but... I have a riot shotgun. I have an AR-15. I have attachments for both of those guns that make them pretty significant. If I ever have to or need to use one of those guns, I want it to be significant and very able to handle the task at hand. I'm trained on them. I use them. I'm a licensed gun owner, concealed carry permit holder, yada, yada, yada. 99% of legal gun owners in America fall into this same class. We hope we never have to use a gun. But if we ever one time need a gun, we want to be able to have it there to protect ourselves. 
protect those that we love. I just don't see this administration having a clue when it comes to what should and should not be done according to the rule of law, the United States Constitution. It's been confirmed again and again and again in the Supreme Court. The American public have the right to bear, own and bear arms, period, personally. And time after time after time through the years, Democrats and other progressives, they step forward, they go through this legislation thing, get bills passed, get them into laws. They're tested in courts in their states. They wake, make their wake into the federal system. They go through the federal system, the appeals process. They end up at the Supreme Court again, only for the Supreme Court to once again confirm the right to own and bear arms belongs exclusively to the American people, not the government. You know what I think is part of this thing about what they're going to do today, the discussions? We have these midterms coming up. And criminality across the United States is a horrible, horrible disaster going on right now under this administration's leadership. The Department of Justice, headed by a feckless guy that uh, was a judge, Barack Obama wanted him to be a member of the United States Supreme Court. It didn't happen, so I guess Joe Biden paid him back by appointing him to be the Department of Justice head. Merrick Garland, he just doesn't have it all together. I'm sorry, but he doesn't. But nevertheless, right now is a time that the Biden administration needs to really press hard on the criminality that is flooding our nation, the lawlessness, the killings. I mean, even cops are being killed at a rate never before seen in this country. It's really bad, and it's not any one person's fault. It is a whole feeling that has been not only allowed to get deeper and deeper and wider and wider, but politically it's been pressed to with all of the anti-police movements, the defund the police, all of those have weighed into this narrative. Much of it funded and initiated by groups like Black Lives Matter, Antifa. And the Department of Justice has basically let this happen on a federal level. The local level, with the exception of spots around the nation, have been pretty well taken care of as normal. However, it has amped up because of the political pressure and the anti-criminality protection Industry is basically what it is. Lawlessness is being weaponized and monetized from top to bottom. And it's being just kind of looked at, nothing being done to it by our Department of Justice. The fallout of that is epic record criminality from one side of the nation to the other. I think that's the big reason why Joe Biden is having this Rose Garden conversation with the American people today in which he's going to announce his ATF nominee, but he's also going to talk about ghost guns. We got to, we got to end them. You can't use them anymore. They have that election coming up and they're desperate to keep control of the house and the Senate. If they don't folks, Joe Biden's last two years as president is going to be very, very nasty for him and Democrats. So these weekend talk shows, every weekend, we, per- we peruse them. 
I got to be honest with you, I have gotten away in large of um, watching them live just simply because the content of them, very little of it is of importance. Most of it is political hackery where they're trying to push a political perspective instead of getting people to talk about concepts and ideas and explanations. Yesterday on Meet the Press, a panel that the Democrats messaging agreed the culture wars are going to cause a real problem for the Democrats in the midterm elections. The culture wars. I would think the policies alone would be sufficient for the Democrats to make some changes, wouldn't you? They talked about a bunch of social policy issues. They said Democrats have poorly messaged to their base headed up to the midterms. Former Republican from Florida, Representative Carlos Curbelo, told host Chuck Todd that Republicans are currently leading the way surrounding those culture wars, which Democrats are supposed to have sole authority over, right? He said, right now, Republicans are winning the culture wars. That's just the way it is. You look at defund the police. You look at defund ICE. Now in Florida, you have this parental empowerment bill. The opponents call it the don't say gay bill. Republicans have baited Democrats in Florida into taking position that students in K through three, students who are learning to color and read and write, should be taught about sexuality, about gender identity. He went on to say Democrats have consistently been on the wrong side of the issues and they're going to lead Republicans to run on these issues and win. So a senior opinion writer for the Boston Globe, Kim Atkins, she said Democrats have been quiet on opposing Florida's recently passed parental rights education bill for penalizing people on what they say, which could ultimately help strengthen their base. It's been astonishing, she said, that the Democrats haven't grabbed on to a libertarian attack on this because this is big government telling people what to do. This is government saying they want to decide They want to know what your kid's gender is, like, get out of my kid's bedroom. So this Republican-backed bill forbids classroom discussion of sexual orientation and gender identity in grades kindergarten through third grade and requires all the school districts to notify parents of changes to their child's physical, mental, or emotional health and allow for them to opt their child out of health services provided by the school. So this has sent the left just, I mean, absolutely stark raving crazy. The government, I mean, it's like school, it's public. You know, we don't, we, parents don't have the education that public educators have. They go to college for years, they get these degrees and they specialize in teaching kids and parents want to tell us what to do and what not to do, what to share and what not to share with their kids. I mean, we're we're the we're the federal government. NBC News correspondent Josh Letterman said Democrats have allowed their base to be defined by the other side and have been silent on cultural issues. If you were to ask, he said, the average parent of a first grader, do you want your kid to be taught about sex in first grade? Most parents would say, probably not. But are you, if you ask, is it okay for your kid to be read a book about Peter the Penguin who has two penguin dads? 
you're not going to have the same kind of response. But Democrats have sort of decided the arguments on this, just let them go. And so many of these cultural issues go with it. Another member of the panel, Anna Palmer, founder of Punchbowl News, she said Dems are on their heels surrounding the issues of abortion, schools, COVID, and haven't created an animating slogan to message on these issues. We haven't been able to see Democrats mobilize. I think she said it. If it totally goes away, you're going to see Democrats try to find a way to get their base out to the polls. Right now, they've not done anything on voter rights, on immigration, all these other things. There's a real issue here for Democrats in the midterms. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of happy about that. I want the Democrats to be running, trying to figure things out. We're going to take our final break. When we come back, biggest story of the day, the one that I've been just anxiously waiting to talk to you about. It's about the Department of Justice, a brand new task force that the Department of Justice has created, and you know what it's for? This is just hard for me to believe, but it's it's to make sure that you and I You and I are not out there for these midterm elections cheating. You know, Republicans are known. Conservatives are known as we are so desperate to get power back, to send the Democrat Party members of the House of Representatives and the Senate, send them packing, that we're willing to do anything. You know, we're going to get mail-in ballots and we're going to ballot harvest and we're going to change ballots, signatures and all those kind of things just like they did, (laughs) just like they do. The DOJ has got something big. You're not going to believe this. Talk to Dan. Call 1-866-37-TRUTH. TNN Live. The Truth News Network. How can we say when you book direct at choicehotels.com, you always get the lowest price in our rooms, guaranteed? Let's get someone to say it with a really low voice. Carl? Lowest price, guaranteed. What about the world's lowest limbo stick? How low can you go? Nice one, Carl. Hey, I've got an idea. Just say, bada book, bada boom. Bada book, bada boom. Nice. Always the lowest price, guaranteed. Book now at choicehotels.com. Little Caesar's Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring six forty nine in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesar's. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesar's Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just six forty nine. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax. I'm sure you know who Judicial Watch is. Judicial Watch is an independent group that what they do is they monitor everything that happens in the federal court systems, and they just go after these things. They want backup information and evidence. They subpoena for documents for information, and they're really behind the scenes standing and uh, making sure we're not getting abused any more than we possibly have to. Well, Tom Fitton... The president of Judicial Watch says that the DOJ 
is being weaponized against any and every opposing voices. They filed a lawsuit against the DOJ, did the um, this watchdog group, Judicial Watch, and uh, they filed a lawsuit to get documents that are connected to the DOJ's election threat task force. Did you know there was this? After almost a year of no response to their FOIA request, Freedom of Information Act, Fitton thinks the DOJ has something they don't want you and I to see. Figure that. We want answers, he said. And of course, when you don't give us answers, you don't comply with the law that requires that records be turned over, it generally means that you got something to hide. So what are they nervous about that they don't want to give to us? Fitton's comments came after the DOJ's July action to form an election threats task force. What's that about to investigate alleged widespread threats to election, not elections, folks, election officials? You know, I think we had asked for this material last year initially. We still don't have anything, he said. They filed a lawsuit at the end of March for a FOIA request they submitted back in August last year for all records related to the August virtual task force meeting. According to Judicial Watch, the group is a conservative nonpartisan education foundation which promotes transparency, accountability, and integrity in government, politics, and the law. So the DOJ says the task force is leading the Justice Department's effort to address threats of violence against election workers and to ensure that all election workers, whether they're elected, appointed, or those who volunteer, be permitted to do their jobs free from threats and intimidation. This task force will partner with the U.S. Attorney's offices and the FBI field offices to assess allegations of threats against election workers. Now, does that sound just a wee bit objective? No, it's not objective. It's 100% subjective. Looking into alleged allegations of threats, the DOJ has charged two people in connection with election threats since the launch of this task force. So not only do you have the DOJ involved, you get the FBI, you've got, I think, their national security operation involved as well, and Homeland Security. And you know, I read it as, don't you dare ask questions about the way elections are being conducted, otherwise you're going to be on our government radar. I agree with Fitton. I believe that these efforts by the DOJ violate our constitutional rights, and they target political opposition. And more than anything, what are they going to do? They're going to intimidate you from reporting something that maybe you see an election official do that's out of line. So what do they do? They pretend their political opponents are to be treated as national security threats, even terrorist lawbreakers, and then follow up with an intimidation effort that suggests law enforcement's going to be watching you if you talk on these specific topics. Frankly, most federal agencies are irredeemably corrupt, and they need to be really reformed in some dramatic ways, if not dismantled, depending on the agency entirely. 
When it comes to bad public policy and bad misconducts, the DOJ is at the center of the storm. You remember all we went through during the Mueller years? Mueller investigation, Russia hoax, Trump administration, Trump campaign, all of that. That all came out of the DOJ. When it comes to bad public policy and misconduct, they're right at the middle of it. They defend what's indefensible and who is indefensible. So everything you don't like, if the feds are breaking the law and you think that's going on and there's abuse, usually there's a Justice Department attorney or an agency that's more than willing to defend that and is pushing it or protecting them from any accountability. They do it by pretending the records about government misconduct are secret and can't be turned over. That's what happens with these massive number and the volume of those FOIA requests that are filed about information coming out of every agency you can imagine in the hundreds of thousands. And it's supposed to be. They are supposed to be wide open and totally transparent to you and me because they work for us. Tom Fitton said the DOJ is too big and has too much money. You've got this basic waste, fraud, and abuse issue. In addition, the politicization because no one's watching the store. We need to watch the watchers. (laughs) Think about that. We need to watch the watchers. I don't know if you heard anything about an election going on in France, but there's one at the top, Macron. His term in office is up. And so the election process in France is, you can imagine, quite a bit different than ours. And although they're often the targets of jokes and our ridicule, ridicule, one major institutional advantage over countries like us and others, purportedly tried and true, secure elections. Did you know that? So they have multiple rounds in their presidential election. They had the first one yesterday. French voters use the same system that's been used for generations there. Listen to this. Paper ballots. And by the way, the paper ballot has to be cast in person. And they're all counted by hand. There are no mail-in ballots. Photo ID and a signature are required at the voting booth. Also, voting. Absentee voting. The rough equivalent for which is called proxy voting in Franks, they allow that only in very few limited circumstances. There's no early voting or voting with electronic machines there either. Nor is there any ballot harvesting. Mail-in voting. It was banned back in 1975. Why? Because they were afraid of fraud. (laughs) Go figure that. So over here, The corporate media, they take the position that no widespread fraud occurred in Trump-Biden contest, an election that involved massive numbers of mail-in ballots, contrary to assertions by former President Trump. Media outlets frown upon any further substantive coverage of it. But every few days, another court comes out and has issued a ruling on a case that was filed with them that verifies there was voting fraud rampant across the nation, especially 
in those states that came down to the wire where they were really important, like Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Nevada, and Arizona. I mean, according to the January 6th committee, you can't even talk about it. France's controversial COVID restrictions, they pretty much been lifted by now. People who test positive can go to the polls. They're strongly advised to wear a mask and follow other health guidelines. No candidate is going to break the 50% threshold in the multi-candidate race on Sunday coming up. A runoff between the top finishers is scheduled for later this month. So what about Macron? Well, he's the incumbent. And rival Marine Le Pen, they are expected to make the second round showdown in a rematch of the 2017 election, which Macron won in a landslide. But things look, they probably are going to be different this time. Just a couple of weeks ago, globalist Macron was regarded as a shoe-in for term number two. If polling is accurate, however, he and Le Pen are supposedly nearly tied as Macron's lead has dwindled. Many voters are said to still be undecided. Corporate media, they branded Le Pen far right because of her immigration views. But some of her economic policies, like lowering the retirement age to 60 for certain workers, are perhaps closer to those of U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders. As such, she could pick up votes across ideological boundaries. Perhaps this scenario is a callback to a famous quote by Bill Clinton operative James Carvel, who said in 92, it's the economy, stupid. It's the economy. So, Macron, a globalist, big-time far leftist. It looks like he may be on the way out. And conservatism, true conservatism, could be taking over the Macron um, his policies have been far left, bigger government, less permission, less authority, less freedom among the French people. I don't know if you've spent any time in France or you know anything about it. I haven't been there. I've never been there. But uh, it's a different kind of atmosphere. The French people are different. They're very emotional. They get really wrapped up in anything and everything they do. There's nothing wrong with that, folks. I think it's great when anybody does things that are good for their nation and are very supportive of their nation. I just want to, on the way out, I want to tell you, Mr. Mr. COVID-19, Anthony Fauci, regardless of everything he said in the past about what we got to do, what we don't have to do, lockdowns, masks, no mask, vaccine, all those things, you roll them up in one little big pile. I don't care about any of that. He finally said something this weekend that makes some good sense to me. I'm going to paraphrase what he said. He said basically when he was questioned about you know, there's a little bit of spike, not a spike, but cases are going up. One of the latest variants in pockets across the nation and around the world. It's really bad in China. But in the middle of all of this, where he has always been, you got to stay at home. You've got to lock down. You got to get a vax, get the second, get the third, get the fourth, get the booster, get the boot, whatever it is. 
You got to do that or you're going to die. Instead of it, guess what he is telling us now? Summer's coming up. Baseball has started. Soccer's picked back up in high school and junior high. He's saying, you know what? Americans just need to decide to do what's best for them. What's best for them? Use some common sense. And he didn't get specific about anything. Is that just a tad bit odd for Dr. Anthony Fauci? Maybe he's finally giving up on his tyrannical authoritarian dictates. He just he just clamped us down for two years plus and scared us to death. That's a wrap, folks. Thank you so much for being here today, Monday. We'll be back tomorrow morning, Tuesday, every weekday, 9 to 11 at TNN Live.